0: You're listening to Earnestly Speaking, the only weekly podcast that covers friends, foes, and anything that goes. And now for your badass host, Ernest Owens. And we're back with another episode of Earnestly Speaking with your host, Ernest Owens, myself. <laughs> Woo, we're about to get into August. It's like, what? I was finally getting into July. And here we are in August. It's a lot. (laughs) I can't, I'm like, oh my God. Time is going by so fast. But, you know, we're having so much fun. And this past week has been nothing but a blast. Like, just, I'm just soaking it all in, y'all. I'm just, I'm taking it all in. You know, the book tour is book touring. You know, we hit the South. We had a lot of fun. So it's a lot to catch up on. And we have some great stuff to talk about. Like, it's been a lot and you all have seen it, so it's time for us to talk. So, the book tour. I mean, you saw us. We was in Upper Darby on um, Monday and it was lit, you know, last week. You know, Mayor Barbara Ann Keffer invited me to Upper Darby and they were so lovely. Shout out to Barbara Ann. Shout out to the whole Upper Darby team who brought me down there. It was a It was quite an experience and it was so nice to be a part of a city, you know, supported event. You know, I talked about my book, The Case for the Council Culture. Um, you know, it was nice just to meet fans from, you know, the suburbs and the surrounding counties because, you know, oftentimes, you know, you know, people have to come to Philadelphia. And this was the only place in Pennsylvania outside of Philly that I did my book tour at. And it was so great. You know, Barbara Ann is a big, huge fan of Ernstie Speaking. She listens to it. And she she really listens to it. You know how people are like I listen to your podcast? Like, she listens to the podcast. So shout out to her and her lovely family who was there, her husband who asked great questions, her daughter, who was so just full of life and so fun. It was a great, a great experience. Um, everyone from the city that had city elected officials that were also there. Um, she's wrapping up her term as mayor. She's such a great woman um just thoughtful and brought a lot of life to there. You know, they had been under Republican leadership for a long time, but she kind of broke through as a Democrat. And now she's laid a foundation for other Democrats to be in leadership following her. So, you know, she's done a lot of great work. And just embracing, you know, what I'm doing is is already, you know, I know she, you know, she's going to do well in, in her next, you know, career endeavors and everything else. So shout out to Barbara Ann and the wonderful people at Upper Darby. Um, right after that I headed to New Orleans, which was the bomb. New Orleans, it was a great, lovely welcome. You know, I haven't been back there in six years. The last time I went was in 2017 for the PABJ uh convention. And in that convention, New Orleans, I had one Emergent Journalist of the Year. Oh how, how far we've come. <laughs> But it was a great time. You know, I ate my way through. I was only there for one night and one night only. But when I tell you, y'all, I maximized the experience, I really took full reign of my New Orleans experience. Y'all were giving me recommendations. And and listen, no shade. But I know New Orleans because I have family who is right there in Texas, right across. So I know where to go. Um, So I went to Killer Poi Boy's. Um, who has some good killer po' boy sandwiches? Different ones that are not the traditional. Um, you know, not that I don't like the traditional po' boys, because I mean, let me tell you, New Orleans make them great. But I just wanted to do something that was a little out of the box, and so killer po' boys, they do some different things over there. So I ate there. Um, my book signing was at Baldwin the Company. Shout out to everybody who came out. People came from Mississippi. Shout out to my homie. Marlon Walker, who's an incredible journalist and just a good friend I've had for years. He came all the way from Mississippi to come to this book signing. A couple of you are earnestly speaking listeners. Y'all showed up. Shout out to y'all. Like I was like, what? I mean, it, it, people say, why are you surprised? Because the thing is, is that even though I've been fortunate and blessed to have, you know, uh, you know, just have, I know that there are people that watch, but it's great to have those one-on-one interactions. And it never gets old. Um, people tell me their stories how so they connect with me How they find out about the work That I do and things And so it's just great to see These people outside of like My my bubble Like my Philadelphia bubble So I'm always touched by that um, So it was incredible um, Shout out to Will Sutton He's a former PABJ president Years ago He now is a columnist um, He's a veteran journalist A columnist at the In New Orleans And he is a former NABJ president So he was there Show love His family came out Um, It was a great book signing, great conversations, um, so much great fun for sure. I went that week, you know, Tales of the Cocktail, which is the largest national cocktail festival in the country. They were in New Orleans. They have it in New Orleans every year, but I finally, my my book signing and Tales of the Cocktail happened the same week. Went to a lot of great cocktail events, the Four Seasons. I was just... Cocktails galore! I've just been on one. Like I don't know, me and a cocktail have been homies lately. But cocktails were incredible. It was it was an incredible time. We went to the four. I went to the Four Seasons. I had apérol spritz. It's a summer cocktail. People don't like apérol spritz. I'm hearing. What's up, Joe? What are you doing? Anyway, people are not into. There's. I don't know. Well, let me be clear. My melody folk are kind of you know ambivalent to apérol spritz. And now I feel like people are looking at me like. I'm I'm a different type of Negro. I don't know. I just, I like them. I like Aperol g o George, Jamarcus, the Limp Brothers like Aperol Spritz. I don't know. Is it because I've got, I don't know. I, I like it. <laughs> but anywho, I'll get back to Aperol Spritz in a minute while that conversation is hot. But I enjoy it. My taste is very, you know, like I was having Arvark cocktails with Arvark, which is a very Middle Eastern type of liqueur. Um, we had the five-star niece type of flavor blend. I love the cocktail. One of my friends, they was like, eh. I was like, y'all, like, you know, but it, it's, you know, you got to get around. So, anyway, I, you know, New Orleans was great. Dragos, because I stayed at the Peter and Paul Hotel. Sidebar. Everyone kept asking me what hotel I stayed in. I'm sorry I didn't tag it because you know stalkers. I mean, not that I have any stalkers I know of, but you know stalkers. are out there. Um, I stayed at the Peter and Paul Hotel, which is a cute boutique hotel that's a part of an old church, history, historic very arti- artistic, very, um, lots of art deco, vintage art deco, very pretty, very nice. Um, it had a bunk bed, which is very fun. Um, but it was cute. I stayed there. It was a, it was an in and out overnight stay. Great people, great vibes. You know, I can't complain. It was, it was a very great, um, environment and the hospitality was on point. So I really loved it there. Um, But listen, Dragos at the Hilton. Divinity. Divinity. If you can't hit all the New Orleans places, mothers, you know, all the other places that they recommend you go. Go to Dragos. Go to Dragos and have the things you heard about. Because even if The things that you heard about may not be the best of the best. It is one of the best. And honestly, it hits your check marks in New Orleans. If you want an overnight stay, go to Drago's. I did not make a reservation. It was a walk in, it was a vibe. Oh my God. Okay, so I had the charbroiled oysters. I had a dozen of them because I was greedy and I ate all of them and they were delicious. I had the gumbo. Delicious. Then I had the mama's gumbo, like the, the gumbo that she wanted to have. It was called the mama's gumbo. It was original, but you could do other ones. Delicious. DAndroli sausage, crawfish, delicious. It was delicious. I had the fried shrimp, the Creole shrimp, Dish, I just wanted to just try it. Phenomenal, exceptional. This is what this is why people like New Orleans. It was incredible. It was a great meal. I had a good time. I did. I had a really, a really, really good time. Did I have a daiquiri? Of course I had a daiquiri. I did. Just a great trip. That was a phenomenal trip. Next day, I woke up early in the morning and I took myself to Houston, Texas. H-Town, my birthplace. And it did not disappoint. My book signing was at the Barnes and Nobles in Town & Country. So many family, friends, fans, folks just came out. It was a homecoming I, I I exceeded my expectations. I had, of course, my family was out. My little brother, my mom, my stepdad, um, my aunt, lots of my family. My mom's co-workers, people that knew when I was growing up. My friends from high school. Oh, my God. One my, of my, my homegirls, my best, best friends from Houston. Cindy, she was there with her baby and her boo. It was so cute. Hot, shout out to my girl, Chelsea. Jamarcus came through, my bestie. Oh, my God, it was a family reunion. My homegirl, Jess. And I have to make a special shout out to someone. Her friend, who I look at as a friend now, Portia, who listens to my podcast religiously. I didn't know, you know, I, I don't, you know, people, I don't know if they want to shout out out loud, you know, I never know, but she, I met her in person. She listens to Ernstie speaking religiously and she's doing great work as a public defender in Texas, black queer woman doing her thing. And it was so great to see her in person. My friend Jess had always told me she was a fan, but she came through, she was all dressed up. So we had like similar colors. We, we, you know, everybody knew the assignment was, you know, the suits. But we were so we just had such a good time and she was so sweet. So thank you so much, Portia, for coming out. I'm so happy that you know you got a signed copy in person and just made great to see you in person. So shout out to you and thank you for being loyal, listening, supporter of what I do, and just keep doing the great work that you're doing um, because it's it's important work. You know, public defenders. Across the country are are dealing with a lot in this type of era that went politically. You know, in Philadelphia we have a public defender named Keir Bradford Gray who's running for attorney general in Pennsylvania, and she's a black woman doing great work. And I just I, I have profound respect for public defenders. Um, my friends are doing it, like my good friend Jess and Portia. They're doing some great work in Texas. So you know, if there's public defenders, they doing fundraisers and support. Support them. If you don't know who to give your money to politically, and you don't know where they're gonna lean, support the public. Defenders, because they're the people that defend your cousins and your uncles and folks that can't cannot afford a lawyer. And just because you don't, you can't afford a personal lawyer, does not mean you don't deserve the right to a fair trial and justice. And that is very important. So public defenders matter. You know, I'm very fortunate to have my own lawyer, but a lot of people don't have that access. And so the work that Jess is doing, the work that Portia is doing, here and other folks. Is important because so many people, you know, need those public defenders. You know, we can't all get a lawyer on call, and so these people do matter, and they are effective. People always assume you get a public defender, your case is going down the drain. Not necessarily. We saw what happened with Michael White in Philadelphia when Kira Bradford Gray, who was the chief public defender in Philadelphia, she even did work in Montgomery County. You know, she she defended him like a client that was paying her six figures. And that that person, you know, got a lot of major charges dropped against them. And now they're able to be a fully participating citizen. And now they have surpassed the point where their probation is off because they had a probation for one of the charges that didn't get dropped. And guess what? The probation is over and they did not break the law during that time. So they are now a fully free citizen doing that great work. So this work matters. Public defenders matter. And people who have that perspective on the law matters. So shout to them. Um, my timing in in Houston was incredible. New Orleans was great. So I got to update because, you know, I've been out here being a TSA pre-check, you know, um, supporter, ambassador, disciple, um, ambassador for all the reasons, but I have done something different and I do want to take the time to talk about it. So I still have PSA pre-check because I, I got it for five years. Like I have the next five years I renewed. but. I now have clear. Now, for some of y'all, like, here he go again, trying to promote something. What is it now, Ernest? Let me explain. I have clear. Let me tell you why I got clear. How I got persuaded. Even though, you know, it's, it's, it's extra. It's for my extra people. It's for my people that, you know, got a little bit to splurge. Now, personally, PSA, PreCheck, I think, You know, if you listen to this podcast, it's worth the investment. You know, you're spending, what, $90 one time only for five years. If you've grown and you travel a lot, you should be getting PSA pre-check. That is just simple. Get it and stop playing. Stop playing. Because to be honest, I have to admit something to you. I have been cheating. Not in my marriage. Clearly not. But on this this travel game. Now, I know that when you travel, you're supposed to be at least two hours before, right? That's what they said. Lately, y'all, I've been doing some dirty work. I've been coming about 45 minutes to an hour before I go. Now, what I do in advance, I do check in, like, in advance. But now I've been pushing the needle. Lately, I've been, you know, rip me out the plastic. I've been acting brand new. I've been doing some new things. I know I I should be ashamed of myself, but I just, because I got the TSA pre-check, I'm cutting the lines a lot faster. However, I had a situation recently when I was going to Houston and that pre-check line was getting a little long. Now, to be real with you, I had no business coming like that close to the time. Okay. Let me let me tell you how bad this was. I went to the pre-check line. I was in the pre the TSA pre check line at let me make sure I get my times right. I was there at four fifty. My host my my flight check-in or whatever they call it when they call you the board was at five ten. you heard that correct you looking at me some of y'all might be listening if you travel like you know what the fuck now i've been doing this i was i was i was on some time cruise mission impossible shit i was in the tsa pre-check line at five at four i mean at five at 450 my boarding on the flight was at 510. Now that was way too much. And if my mother knew this, when I talked to her, she would have been like, come on. But I, I did it. Now here's the crazy part. When I made it through the past the line, I was, I was free at about five o'clock. So I had 10 minutes to spare before boarding. Now here's why I say this. I don't like to be in the airport super long because when I'm at the airport super long, I feel like I start doing stupid shit. I start buying shit I don't need to eat, do, eat, and I'm spending money on dumb stuff. I'm, I'm eating stuff I don't need to eat. Like, I just be doing too much. I be looking at the stores, and you know what my addiction is. It's kills. I love me some kills products. They put kills in the in the little shopping center of the airport. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, why I'm here, let me go ahead and do a... I'm like, no, you don't need this. Why are you buying this cream? You don't. You already have enough. That's the stuff that I just like, I don't need to be here because if I'm here, I'm going to overeat, I'm going to overdrink, I'm going to do the most, I'm going to be bored. You know, so I like to not spend too much time in the airport because it's tempting. That's just my experience. So I try to cut time, but I cut time a little too much. The lady next to me looked at me and she said, That's the TSA pre-check. She said, if you had clear, you would have already been in line. I said, You know what? You tempted me. Tell me more. <laughs> so she so I came back she told me more. So here's the thing. It's about one eighty nine a year to get it. But the thing about what I like about it, again, for my folks that are traveling a lot, if you don't travel a lot, this may not apply to you. But if you travel a lot, psst, come here closer. So let me tell you about what I like about this clear with the, the, with the TSA pre-check. Let me let me back up and say this. Don't get clear if you don't have TSA check because it doesn't matter. This is for my people that's like, look, I already dropped $89 for the pre-check. I don't got to pay in in, in, in in five years. Whatever. This clear is about $89. It's $189, I think, a year. But if you have certain credit cards, okay, you might be eligible to get it for free or not have to pay according to your credit card or get a discount. It's all types of things. So I did this cool thing. I, I, I got it. And now I've been on pre I'm on clear now. You can add family members for seventy dollars, so you don't have to spend the same amount. So my husband, I got him on it for seventy dollars because we're about to go to Marcus Vineyard. We're about to travel and do some holiday stuff, and also just because he, you know, he has stuff he does too. So you can add family members on it, and it's seventy dollars for family. If you add other family, you can add up to three family members. I didn't add my younger brother. Look, TSA precheck is enough for him. Plus, he shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, so you know he'll be good. If you have TSA pre check and you do make time, and you got the two hour situation, whatever is fine. But if you want some Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, ninety minutes to an hour, get situation clears for you. Let me tell you why I like Clear compared to TSA. Now, TSA is straight too, but let me explain how this works. You go through Clear. All you do is tap your hand. You show your 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 your, your check in. That's it. Automatically. You don't have to show your ID. You have to do nothing else. All you do is show your boarding pass. You do a hand pat at the little clear kiosk. They have a clear, they have a, they have multiple kiosks. So you tap the kiosk. You show the fancy you know your boarding pass that lets you in. You have to take off your shoes. You don't take off a damn thing. Then the let me tell you how even fancy do the clear um, ambassador or associate will automatically pull you and take you to the front of the TSA line. You cut straight through the line. You don't got to do all that other shit. You just go right through the line, and they say clear, and they let you through. And you out. So when I got back from Houston to Philadelphia, I finally, I had signed up already. I did it. Let me tell you something. I went in there, tapped my hand, put my boarding pass on the kiosk, The lady just took me straight to them like I was VIP. They was like, who is that? They was like, who is this? Excuse me, I've been TSA. How the hell he cut TSA? Because I'm clear, bitch. They put me through the front, sent me right through. It was the easiest, simplest, straightforward experience I ever had. I didn't even have to take my ID. Let me tell you something. One of the things I realized when I travel is this is how you get your shit lost. You got to take out your wallet, your stuff. Now, TSA pre-check. Let me say this. For my other folks, you don't have to take off your shoes and your jewelry. You just have to take off like any like air or uh, Bluetooth in your phone, in your laptops and everything else goes through. So it goes efficiently. But when you do that clear, let me tell you something. The clear lets you just cut the whole line. So at TSA PreCheck, I have to wait in line. And them TSA PreCheck lines are going a little long, a little long. Some places, major cities, it get a little long, depending on what day you you flying. So you notice I say at 4 o'clock. So that's in a PM time, midday. So the TSA lines get a little longer. Now, early mornings, you know, most of you, if you catch a flight before 11 a.m., you good. But clear, I like clear anyway, because I have to deal with all the other additional showing your ID 5,000 times. The clear person moves you straight to the front. Tell you clear and you just walk on through. You ain't got to show no boarding pass. You ain't got to do all the extra shit. All of my clothes are on. All of my devices are on. I don't got to do all the extra fancy stuff. So I'm into clear. Just going to put that there. I'm into clear. Just saying. Take it or leave it. Not, you know, it's my personal endorsement. I fucks with it. Now to Eater. This is my second week. I'm so excited about this. I am proud to announce that I've been able to hire people. So, I've hired two new freelancers um, to be a part of the Eater family um, under Eater Philly. Um, You know, I've been really doing a lot of in house cleaning and just getting myself together. You know, week two was definitely a week where I got to really produce some real strong content, you know, making some decisive decisions. Really feel like I'm in the seat now, I'm I'm in the top seat. And it feels really, really good, to be honest, um, just to be able to have the ability to make the calls. And what's been so great is I have a really good team that really respects my creativity and allow me to think outside the box. And so that's been very pivotal to the work that I've been doing. Um, one of the greatest things that I did this past week was I released the list of the hottest restaurants in Philly um, in July. And that has caused a lot of um, interesting conversation because you know I only pick about 15 and I put some new restaurants on there you know there hasn't been a real Philadelphia editor in the past 5 ye- not 5 years but in the past year and you know a, a editor that is based in Philly lives in Philadelphia it's been a year and so my role has really been just bringing people back to the site, checking it out. And you all have done that. You all have brought the fire. You all have brought the traffic. You know, eater, you know, philly.eater.com. You know, y'all have been going on Eater Philadelphia again, looking at the new places. You know, I've been having some really good fun editorializing the things that I think are important. So, you know, this week, this past week, I did 15 Epic Sandwiches to check out. Um, I also put my 15 Philly Restaurant Desserts. And they're from places that are being done by black chefs, white chefs, different chefs all over the city, uh, restaurants, you know, diversifying the list um, that's reflecting the great things about Philadelphia. And when I say diversity, not just racial diversity, I'm talking diversity of locations, diversity of style. You know, we have high end restaurants. We got, you know, budgets, restaurants that are like really affordable and not as splurgy. We have all types of regions and areas being represented. And I'm really happy about that. Um, and so th- the lists are going to be updated, reflecting that diversity and extensiveness of the Philadelphia food scene. And it's been really important to me to get in that bag. You know, I feel like I sound like an expert, but I am an expert, but I feel like I'm sounding like a, you know, sounding managerial right now. But I'm serious about it. And so the two new freelancers that we brought on board, I think, reflect that. And I'm going to let them, you know, in the next couple of weeks or so, you know, surprise y'all with who they are. But, you know, they they represent In my opinion, a real good grasp of what the Philadelphia food scene looks like, and a lot of the 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 freelance I've, I've kept on board with the publication, they're coming from different parts of Delaware, Jersey, the suburbs. You know, I want everybody to bring their flavor and their style. I want us to work smarter, not harder. That's my theme. And these people are ready to go. So it's it's really great to be in a position where I can give opportunities to other writers, and other people that I think are doing good, especially in the Philadelphia food scene, where there's a lack of diversity and representation and leadership. And so we're going to do things a lot differently over here. And I'm excited to put people on and really, you know, get people on and, and get people into the groove because there's so much support and so much good work that's happening. And we just need to make sure these great restaurants are getting coverage that are, that deserve the coverage. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really important to me. So that's what I've been doing on that front but this week has been just just full of, full of life. You know, uh, PABJ fundraiser was on Sunday at Le Peg. Okay, French Arts is not Le Peg. They don't call it Le Peg anymore. It's the restaurant at French Arts. But we had it outdoors. You know, we was out there on Columbus Boulevard. Super successful event. We raised our goal of succeeding $7,000 Last year, we hit $7,000 for the fundraiser, the, the scholarship committee. The PABJ scholarship committee raised $7,000 last year. This year, we have surpassed $7,000, and we're still getting donations as we speak. And so it's a super awesome opportunity. If you want to donate and support the scholarship and committee, please donate to thepabj.org. That's www.thE. P-A-B-J So the PABJ.org. Donate there You can donate As little as $25 Or even more To support the scholarship But we'll be taking more donations All through this week Before we wrap up Before we start the fourth And final quarter of the year um, So that's happening um, Great stuff this whole week You know Rex at the Royal You know I was there Tried it The new menu is fire Let me just add that The new menu At Rex at the Royal Is Fire Remember that. That's all I have to say. It is fire. Okay, they are bringing it in. They have a new chef with a new vision, and I am here for it. I've always loved *Ricks of the Royal, but this, this right here, is serious. So love that. Um, we also have um, other places, um, other good things. I went to Zahav with Mr. Johnson and my favorite newlywed couple. Uh, Joe and Amanda, Amanda and Joe, of course, you know, neighbors and also, you know, newlyweds, uh, engaged, soon to be newlyweds. They have not gotten married yet. I am not exposing anything. S- sidebar. So while we was at Zaha before I get it's a petty moment, I had said that I was a follower, but I guess I don't know if the woman couldn't hear me if I was tipsy, but she thought I said I was a father. Rather, this was a follower. She tells to a "Father, I tell like, oh, but, oh, no, 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 because you know, you know, you don't, don't even really know who in these streets. They be saying, oh, Ernest, about to be a father.' No, I don't have a child. I don't plan on having a child at this moment with Mr. Johnson. If such a thing was to occur, you would know before a server at the at a restaurant knows. No one knew. It was that's not what happened." So I told her, I said, listen, I, I don't know if you heard me correctly. I'm not going to be a father. I just was saying I was going to be a follower because I was going to get the same cocktail, everybody else got the table. And she says, whatever, daddy. And I was like, oh, shit. But no, she was hilarious. But we went to Zahav, um, the four of us, and it was a great dinner. We were celebrating their engagement. We had um the patio. The, the Zahav now has a new patio restaurant special. Um, that basically allows people who, let's say, look, everybody knows getting into Zahab, the main dining room situation is an arm and a leg. Now, everybody can be as foul as myself and get there and get a reservation, work it out. So what they've done is they've opened up the patio space and it's really clean, neat, spacious and pretty. And basically, you can go there and you can have dinner there at the patio location outdoors. And this is no fuss, no frills. There's no advanced You know, make a reservation. You just kind of come through. You kind of call in advance, figure it out, and kind of come the day of versus all of the intense pre-plan. If you want to do that, you can still do that in in a main dining session. But this this is fun. Like, Light Door is a beautiful spread of all of their delicious Mediterranean bites. I mean, the hummus was phenomenal. Bread was phenomenal. The uh, Gemini pickles that they have on the menu was very special. Uh, The cocktails were the bomb. I think I... Listen, I have more cocktails than I can count, but the cocktails were very much summer. Very, It feels good. You want to look cute. Don't come in here with a suit. This is patio, y'all. Beach shirts and cute shorts. Polo down. You know, do what you do. It's a great spot. It was great food. The servers were nice. The hospitality was on point. They had phenomenal cocktails a phenomenal food. It was a great time to be had by all. I've went many times, but you know what was great about going out with, you know, the newly engaged couple you know Joe and Amanda, is that that was Joe's first time going. He's from Baltimore. So I think he liked the food. He, he really did like it. And we made sure that he was able to eat versus all any type of allergy and things. And I'm just going to put out a random promotion for people, just, just random. But if you have any food allergies, talk to a professional who is in allergies, an allergenist or whatever they call them. People who work on food allergies, they matter. And I'm just talking randomly, but you know, if you go to a restaurant, any restaurant, and you see something, whether it's nuts or it could be, you know, strawberries, whatever the case is, if you know you have a food allergy, I recommend that you go and talk to a, an allergenist or a person who focuses on food allergies. Get tested. It matters, okay? Get tested. Know your status when it comes to food allergies. You know, taste all the different things, but talk to them because you never know what you can't eat or what you can't eat. And, And, you know, if you eat something, it might get a little weird. You don't want to have those problems. So do that. And also, if you have a spouse or a lover, let them carry Benadryl. Make sure that Benadryl is always with them. Let them carry all the things in the event that you're out because you just never know what could happen. And that's just my random PSA because, you know, sometimes I do a lot of research and I see things in person. I'm just like, you know, this inspires me to say something. So talk to someone, get that. If you have a job with benefits and you have resources and you have a loving, caring partner that wants you to be healthy and be good, make sure you get an allergy test, a food allergy test. You know, as a person who has now become in the food industry, I'm an editor at a food publication, I'm going on a lot of things. Many years ago, I did the food allergy test and I came, it came out that I was not allergic to much, not anything really. But let me tell you something. That don't mean I don't have my aversions to things like ketchup and mustard. Ill. But get that. Know that if you're going to go out and go to restaurants with different dishes and different things, make sure you take a note and let people know that you can't have. Certain things, but but make sure you get the allergy test because maybe there's some things you're not allergic to. Maybe it's mild on some ends, but you need to know that up front because, you know, anything can happen, especially if you're not walking around here, making sure you have the proper meds and things. You want to roll the dice. Stop rolling the dice. Okay, we got to make sure all of our food connoisseurs matter. I hate the word foodies. We don't use foodies over here. We use other things. So our food enthusiasts, we got to make sure they say. So make sure that you do get an allergy test. If you haven't gotten one, if you have sensitivity to certain things, make sure you know. PSA over. So it was a great dinner. We had a good time. Joe had a good time. He ate the food. You know, Amanda loved everything. And the thing is that when me and Amanda, many years ago, when we was in college, because the hive has been around since 2008, y'all. And we was... Probably twenty twelve, and we went there with a person who stole spices. That's another story for another day. We was there with a spice thief, and also Amanda, and we were there. And it was a cute little get together. It was the three of us, and we got together, and we had a very lovely time. We um, we went to Zahav before Zahav was popping, before the rest of y'all cared about Zahav and was buying all the reservations. We was there on a Sunday. And like no one was in there really. And we had a bunch of great dishes and it was a very good time. And we didn't even realize that this place was going to be a James Beard award winning best restaurant in America type of situation. We didn't even know that, but we went and had a fabulous time. And so I think about then and now, and and just her being able to have that experience again. And she loved it. And Zahav is incredible. So we, we love Zahav. So in other news, um, Two things. Well, and something that is really random. I did get the clear, see-through Telfar jelly bag. Yes, I did. It is cute. I love it. I thought I was not. I was gonna, you know, chill out on Telfar because you know, it was a, it was an obsession. I didn't think I was gonna need to stock up or get anything. But I ain't gonna hold you. It was really nice. Um, the bag is. It, it's probably one of my favorite Telfar bags. I ain't gonna hold you. I think it's because it's with the Melissa brand. It's really jelly. It's really cute. I love the logo on it. I love. Um, I love all of that. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you know, um, you know. I, I think it's the texture. I'm looking at it right now as I talk to y'all. It's see through. It smells good. That's a really good smell, and I just love it. I got the medium size. I know they're making various colors. Like there's a pink see through. I got the original see through. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it will work. I could wear it to the link. So if I'm going to, I'm not planning to go to a football game, but I guess if I go to a baseball game, whatever, if I'm going to link again, for whatever reasons, you know, clearly I can't wear it to see Beyonce. It's not, you know, I saw Beyonce before the bag came out, but any future concept I plan to go to, I can now rock that to the link, um, and not have to change and switch out anything, which is great. Also, what I like about this bag is that there are times where the other Telfar bags I have, they're pretty, they're cute. But there are times where I'm just rolling, want to run to the store or I want to run to, you know, quick little mixer. Like I was the PAVJ fundraiser on Sunday and, you know, it was hot outside. I want to go to pool parties and I want to go places. And sometimes I feel like the bag, the bags I do have, they're cute, but I don't want to put them out and get the sun exposure. I don't want to put them all out with all the elements this see-through bag is now my answer to that because I don't carry a handgun or anything, so you know I don't keep a handgun in the handbag. So there's no need for me to really have to carry anything heavy. But the good, thing, <laughs> the good thing about it is that it's just is really easy go. It's really durable. It's just the perfect bag. So you might see me with my see-through a lot often, depending on what events I'm at. If I'm not, if I'm outdoors and I know I'm gonna be involved in heat, this Melissa bag is coming out. If I'm in a nice formal event that's classy and really, really nice or something really formal indoors, you're definitely gonna see the patty leather, you're gonna see the see. you're gonna see the silver, the gold, or whatever I have. But when it comes to this outdoor heat situation, the see-through is my bestie right now. I must say it's a really pretty bag. And Telfar just never miss. So I am a fan of that. I support that. I rock with it. I'm a fan. That's that. So another great news before I get into the hot topics that we are so anxious to hear more about. I have some big news. I, I just, you know, am speechless. Um, I'm happy to announce that I will be at the Brooklyn Brook Festival. From September 24th to October 2nd is the book festival, but I will be there on Sunday, October 1st. So Libra season, where my Libra's at, the, the kickoff to Libra season. I mean, I know it's a little bit early in the season, but we don't really count those except Will Smith. But the Libra in me is super excited. I am back in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, y'all can't leave me alone. I will be there October 1st. Um at the, 2000, the 2023 Brooklyn Book Festival. This is one of the most like pivotal book festivals in America. It is a dream for many authors. If you're an author in Philadelphia, you know, or any in any city, really, the Brooklyn Book Festival is a life of its own. I consider it the tribeca of the book festival scene. Um, it is very important. A lot of important authors go to the, the Brooklyn Book Festival and I am one of the featured authors this year and I am so touched. I'm so honored. Um, you know, when I got the memo a couple of weeks ago from my publicist, I was just like, wow, like this is happening, you know, really? Like me, you know? And, and not to say that I don't, think I deserve these things because I definitely deserve. But when you're a person that has deserved a lot throughout your life and has been denied a lot throughout your life, when you finally, when people do make the smart decision to give you what you deserve, it does come as a shock. And that's 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 really what it is. You know, um, I'm really happy. There's going to be some great authors there that I've loved my entire life. Books I've read, grew up reading. Colson Whitehead, two-time Pulitzer winner, Colson Whitehead is going to be in the building. Um, Roxane Gay is going to be there. Um, some celebrity authors like Joe Baer from The View is going to be there. But there's going to be some really important authors and serious writers that's going to be in this space. And to be able to share this space with them, it's just an honor. It is the the largest free literary books book event in New York. And to be a part of this is, is awesome. So if you are in New York, if you want to go see me at the Brooklyn Book Festival, come on Sunday, you know, um, October 1st. I'll be downtown Brooklyn to talk about this book, uh, The Case for Council Culture, which has continued to exceed my expectations and just wow me with the outpour and the energy and the investment. You know, you all who've been listening to Mercy speaking from the very beginning, you remember when I was in the multiple phases of building up this momentum to this book and to see it evolve into where we are now has just been, you know, just, just everything. So I'm just grateful for the the Brooklyn uh, book festival staff and the board and everybody uh, for thinking of me and considering me for this opportunity. Um, You know, I don't take it for granted. I'm internally grateful. And I'm, I just, I just really, yeah, just thank you so much. I, it's, that was quite touching and quite a surprise, and uh, can't wait to see everybody in Brooklyn in October. So, tune out for t- turn in for that. Tune in for that. So, hot topics. Trump, y'all, is getting close. The headlines are reading that Trump is facing new charges in his documents case. Okay, we're talking about the documents. Apparently, the office of the special counsel accused Trump of seek. Seeking to delete that security footage, um, camera footage at mar which is where he resides. The manager of the property, Carlos D. Oliveira, was also named as a new defendant. It's getting very messy. So these federal prosecutors basically on Thursday had added major accusations to an indictment charging, you know, former President Donald J. Trump with mishandling classified documents after he left office. OK, now this is coming from The New York Times. Okay, so this is a reliable source, credible source. They say, quote, presenting evidence that he told the property manager of Mar Largo, his private club and residence in Florida, that he wanted security footage there to be deleted. The new accusations were revealed in a superseding indictment that named the property manager, Carlos de Oliveira, as a new defendant in the case. He is scheduled to be arraigned in Miami. All right. It's looking like Monday, y'all. It's looking like it's going to be the start of the week. Now, he had original indictment last month by the Southern District of Florida that accused Trump of violating the Espionage Act by legally holding on to 31 classified documents containing national defense information after he lost office. There were so many allegations and charges. Now, it looked like he might be getting a third one. There's just so many more things. Like, what is going on? It's hard to keep track. It's hard to keep track, guys. It's hard to keep up with the investments. I mean, there's a trial set set, a trial date set for the Manhattan criminal case. There's a trial date set for the classified documents case. There is an investigation concluding on the January 6th and 2020 election inquiry. We're trying to see if the charges is being filed, but the investigation is concluded. So people are expecting that coming up. There's also an investigation inquiry in Georgia that this is related to efforts to reverse Mr. Trump's election laws in Georgia. The investigation is concluding. Okay, so we have... Four things going on. There's two indictments already on the table. There are two pending ones coming. One from the federal and one from Georgia that could be potentially happening. Now, let me explain. The charges against him. He has a total of 74 charges currently done. This is combining the Manhattan criminal case with the classified documents case. This is 74 counts. And now we got to see if there's going to be more, more. Counts for January 6th and the election in Korea and Georgia is getting real. And election day, y'all, as you know, is in November of 2024. So we're doing we're dealing with a lot with Trump. We're keeping an eye on him. A lot of people are like, why are we talking about Trump? Because y'all, I have to give it to you. Trump is currently the front runner for the seat. Trump is currently the front runner. The front runner for the Republican primary, not the front runner for the entire presidency, but for the Republican presidential nomination. He is still the front runner. I don't care about the other candidates y'all talking about. I hear I hear from the streets. OK, I hear from the streets. So I, I just wanted to put that out there now in the other news, another side, you know, Joe Biden's son. Isn't looking like he's off the hook just yet. Now, remember, he was taking his plea, trying to, you know, get get in where he could fit in when it comes to certain cases. But Biden's son is in a a situation right now. He is not over yet. You know, Um, you know, they're saying that as he prepared for the Hill testimony, they're also saying Joe Biden's. uh, I'm sorry, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, ex-business partner, also trying to fend off jail. So there was a request from, this is according to Politico, the request from a U.S. attorney's office is expected to impact Devin Archer's Monday meeting with a House committee. This is Devin Archer is the ex-business partner of Hunter Biden. Now, here's the thing. There is going to be a high-profile testimony to the House committee. Hunter Biden is about to do that. But his longtime business partner, Devin Archer, is wrangling with the Justice Department about what about when he should report to prison on unrelated charges, unrelated charges. So there was a jury in 2018 that convicted Arthur uh, Archer of two felonies for his role in a conspiracy to defraud a Native American tribe. Okay, he's fucking with indigenous people, y'all. But apparently, his 2022 sentence has been repeatedly postponed amid a long-running series of appeals. So there's been a lot going on there. Messy. Messy. Very messy. But uh, but let me be clear. Republicans think that Archer, as a key witness in their months-long hunt to really try to find a smoking gun to link Joe Biden with the, with the business deals and stuff, because they've been, let's be clear why we care about this, right? Because the Republicans have been trying to have this conspiracy They're trying to make it seem like President Biden and the business deals of his son, Hunter Biden, are connected and there has been no evidence. Let me say this again. There has been no evidence that has emerged that Joe Biden's decisions as president or vice president were influenced by his son's business deals. And he has repeatedly denied involvement in his family's business agreements. So there is nothing there as of right now, nothing there. But Republicans are trying to... Find a scapegoat to take the tension off of Trump and the rest of the problems with the Republican Party, but Biden is you know it's a lot going on over here you know even messier because y'all know I gotta I gotta keep one hundred. The Associated Press said that President Biden openly acknowledged seventh grandchild, the daughter of Hunter and an Arkansas woman. So Hunter Biden been out here doing some stuff he shouldn't have been doing. And now for the first time publicly, Biden acknowledged his seventh grandchild, this four-year-old girl who is the daughter of Hunter with this Arkansas woman named London Roberts in twenty eighteen. This is what he said in his statement. Our son Hunter and Navy's mother, London, are working together to foster a relationship that is in the best interest of their daughter, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward. Now, that's what he said. That's the first time he acknowledged this little girl. He said, quote, this is not a po- the political issue. It's a family matter, he said. Jill and I, Jill Biden is, you know, First Lady Jill. Jill and I only want what is best for all of our grandchildren, including Navy. Now, see, Hunter Biden had a paternity test, a DNA paternity test, after Roberts had sued for child support. And guess what? The two of them resolved the child support issues recently. But... Hunter wrote about his encounter with Roberts in his 2021 memoir which I read I don't recommend it but you know if you're a nerd and you want to read it read uh Hunter Biden's book I don't know why Hunter Biden wrote a book I don't know why he wrote a book But the book is called Beautiful Things a Memoir which is basically him Talking about, um, you know, his his addiction Uh, when he first had, you know, sips of alcohol at a young age. He did a lot. He's he's 51 years old. Um, He does not beat around the bush. He's very raw. He's very vocal about beautiful things. Um, If you want to read it, you can read it. I, I don't think it's necessary. But he does get personal, so if you're someone who's who has dealt with addiction, it could be inspirational. Um, It's an interesting book, but you know there's a lot going on. He said that he, you know, Biden, Hunter Biden, had said that, you know, he was deep in addiction to agon drugs, including crack crack cocaine, and he also said that he had no recollection of their encounter. That's how little connection he had with anyone. He was a mess, but it's a mess he's taking responsibility for. So that's how he's placing it. Um, Hunter Biden has four other children, including a son named Bo, which was born to Melissa Cohen. Um, He was named after the president's late son, which is his brother, who died of cancer in 2015, leaving behind two children. And and many people say that they think that Beau is Biden's favorite son. Listen, we all have a Hunter Biden in the family, and we also have some Bows in the family. So take it for what it's worth. But this is very messy. Um, a lot's going on. You know, People Magazine had first reported uh, Joe Biden's statement for what it's worth. So a lot of people have been following what's going on. But just expect, you know, just make sure that you expect, you um, You know, just expect to hear about the Bidens, whether it's Hunter or Joe this this upcoming week. So, Tim Scott and Byron Donalds. So, this week, you know, DeSantis has been out here pushing his very anti-slavery rhetoric around, you know, what he's been talking about. You know, slavery was beneficial to black people. That bullshit. You know, this stuff is so silly that it's just hard to really give it any level of life or attention. But, you know, he's out here doing what he always do. So... Um, you know, he's been having a lot of, you know, I mean, DeSantis is thirsty. His campaign is losing momentum. He's thirsty. Tim Scott, who is the only black candidate I believe that's seriously running for president in a, for president. I mean, he's on the Republican side. Um, he's a he's a black Republican from uh, South Carolina, uh, senator. Uh, we people forget that, you know, Raphael Warnock. Is that the oh and 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 Cory and Cory Booker are not the only black senators in the United States government. There is a black man named Tim Scott. There are three black U.S. senators. Um, just want to make sure people keep note. Um, but Tim Scott has been publicly he has been the first presidential candidate to speak out against um, Ron DeSantis's slavery denial. And you know, look, I mean, he's black, I would say. You, duh, you should do that. I don't know why that's being considered a big deal. I guess. I don't know. You know, you're supporting abortion, anti-abortion policies. You want to control women's bodies. I mean, it's a clock that's, I don't know. I just, I don't care. I don't care. Because, you know, I look at Ann Coulter, you know, and Ann Coulter is a good example. Ann Coulter says a couple of things that might sound appealing to certain people. But then when you look at everything else she supports, she's a contradiction, right? And so with people like that, I'm just like, why are we accept? Why are we impressed with the lowest hanging fruit? That's the easiest shit he could have done. I mean, Tim Scott saying that slavery exists. We're at the point where now we're trying to we're celebrate people that's confirming facts. Nah, no, you don't get you you don't get credit for that. You 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 don't get anything for that. Honestly, you're on the wrong side of history, so you don't get really any credit. But but if you, if we were going to entertain the thought, okay, so you said this fact, now what? Now what? But it's the same man who has said for a while that there's, you know, America's not a racist country. Okay. But he acknowledges that racism happened. You know, there was a time like five years, not five years, well, shit, 20 years ago when, you know, George W. Bush was president. And Republicans like George W. Bush, even though I'm not giving him any praise anywhere else, at least the man knew slavery existed. We didn't even argue about shit like that. We didn't, we didn't have these types of arguments. I mean, they had other ideals about queer people and, and women's rights and shit. But, but we, we, the simple things about American history, the simplest things, we didn't argue about. We did not argue about whether or not slavery happened. But see, they keep fucking with black people. And this is when they fuck around and they find out. Because here's the thing. It's, it's Again, it's, it's racism, but it's also anti-blackness. Let's be clear about what's happening. You, I wonder which one of them, which they shouldn't do, but they're not going to say that the Holocaust didn't happen because there's a rooted anti-blackness in this Republican Party that cherry picks. But let's also be clear that we do have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has entertained anti-Semitic ideals. And then she had to go back and apologize and correct the record because somebody told her to sit the fuck down. But to my Jewish Republicans, to my black Republicans, to my Latinx Republicans, because I went to Texas and I encountered a couple of Latinx Republicans. And I said to them, you know, how can you align yourself with Trump? And the reality about some of them because I want to be, be clear, this is not me saying I'm a, a, a monolith, but there are some Latinx people in Texas and across this country that think they are white. And, and let me be clear, this is ethnicity and race and, I, you know, these are all various different things. So there are white Latinx people that held, hold that. A good example is Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is a white Latinx person. Now, he might try to dismiss that reality, but he is. Right. Jeb Bush, you know, is married to someone who's Latinx. They can hold those identities. But whiteness and anti-blackness seeps through those various ideas. And I keep telling people, you know, POC, people of color, you know, I don't really like the I have got the older I get. I if I'm talking about black people, I'm talking about black people if I'm talking about black and brown people, I'm talking about black and brown people, I'm really skewing away from people of color. It, I do use it still in some spaces, but I'm trying not to in direct issues. Like if I'm saying there's mass, mass murders out here or racial disparities in certain systems, if I know that black people are the majority of that experience, I'm just going to say black people. Because so often... Black people get erased from a lot of these conversations because in the name of people of color, we still see situations where people say, we have an event of color, but black people are always left out. So I'm very intentional about saying there is anti-blackness, naming it, naming it, because I will be in organizations and they'll say, we're diverse, we have people of color, we'll have this, that, and third. But when I walk in, I still don't see black people. And so to me, we have to be clear as a society that Does Does the Republican Party have a people of color issue? Their policies do, but their their, their voter base seems to be increasingly Latinx. And there seems to be a number of Asian groups that also support them in Republican ideals. Who is out there missing still is black voters and black people specifically. There are some black Republicans, but across the the border, we see that black people get disproportionately harmed in a lot of these issues. Um, And then the sad part is you have... Documented right? you know, Latinx citizens who do not care about immigration issues and oftentimes are voting against them in areas in parts of Texas and, and places near the border. So we can't make assumptions about what people's racial identities automatically suggest politically. You have to look at the numbers and the polls. What the numbers do show me is that black women out of every other demographic in the country vote largely Democrat. So whatever you do, if you go in a room and you see black women. Don't tell them to vote. Don't ask them if they're registered to vote. Because nine times out of ten, they are registered to vote. And let me also tell you that when they do vote, the probability of them voting Democrat is almost, is close to unanimous. Don't let Candace Owens, the one loud conservative contrarian voice, represent all black women. And black women don't let her represent them. But for whatever reason, every other community allows some person to be the voice, the counter voice. Black women don't even do that. Black women don't see Candace Owens. You know what's interesting? I don't, you know, it just hit me out of epiphany. I don't ever hear black women giving Candace Owens any level of thought. Think about it. As you are driving right now or train, or listening, do you see a massive, a critical mass of black women that give Candace Owens any attention. And do Candace Owens align herself or engage with black women? No. She don't. She's arguing with black men, cis <laughs> head black men. She, she's getting in on the nerves of, you know, white progressives and everybody else. But black women don't give her that time or day. They don't see it for her. I wish my black brethren would do the same for these. Flip-floppity-ass, wannabe, libertarian, black, conservative voices, the Ice Cubes, the Killer Mics. We don't get, you know, we sit up here and act like they have to give us their perspective and shit. We don't do that. And and as much as, you know, Mark Lamahill and I, Dr. Mark Lamahill and I have got it in a better place, I just cannot help the fact that he continues to give these Republican-type voices entertainment on TV. You're not going to convert them. If you're doing it for ratings, it's uh, it's lazy. And also, you're giving them a platform for them to shine. And we don't need to give them any more platforms to shine. Until I see black, progressive, and liberal voices get on these white cable shows and get a chance to show their ass and show up, stop giving these black conservatives the platforms for them to share their toxic ideals. Because all they're doing is converting and manipulating minds. They're not really learning anything, and they don't want to do better. There's this woman in Baltimore, black woman who's a Republican, something clack-like. I, I'm not even going to pronounce her name. I don't even care. She She runs around. She did a show in a... It was a campaign video a couple years ago where she was running for another position. She walks in these neighborhoods in Baltimore and talks about how Democrats are to blame for all these different things and how she should be the solution. Here's the problem: I'm okay with people that want to run and criticize the neighborhood. Listen, I could walk down West Philly right now and tell you a thousand things to change, but just because there was one particular Democrat, an old head that didn't do right by voters and the people does not mean that you're going to convert these people over to being Republicans. I just I just don't I think that's the part where I'm like you can listen to the person that go, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she'll talk and she'll go, you know, Democrats have neglected the community. And look at our communities. Still look the same as they were before. You're like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at these neighborhoods. They need cleanup and renewal. We need to care about our streets. Yep, 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 yep. That's why I'm asking you to vote for me who want to fix these issues. Okay, tell more. And we got, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she goes. And, you know, because as a Republican, you lose me there. You lose me there. You lose me there. Because your party, right, has made it very clear that they are anti-black. Your party has made it clear that they're not trying to do anything to better themselves or better black and brown people. And that's when you lose me. So, unfortunately, Democrats are living in a society where they're the lesser of evils. They're not great and phenomenal, per se, but we know the Republicans are far worse. So, therefore, people are often stuck with the lesser of two evils, period. That's just that. So you all have been asking about Mitch McConnell. You know, Mitch McConnell's doing a lot right now. I don't know what he's going through right now. You know, the streets are talking. You know, people are saying, you know, Nikki Haley, who's run for president, is saying that she thinks Mitch McConnell should step aside amid health concerns. You know, there's videos of Diane Fernstein and Mitch McConnell question about their age. McConnell's office is saying that he will serve through the 2024 as a GOP leader because it looks like it's turning down. People are saying it's the same old story with aging politicians. Mitch McConnell's future is in debt, the headlines are saying. Mitch McConnell fell earlier this month before freezing mid-sentence this week. That picture we saw, you know, he's got the wheelchair. He's 81 years old, okay? He's an octagonian, you know? He's the old, you know, Senator Kentucky Republican and top leader in the Senate. But people are asking questions about his health. People say we should be concerned about Mitch McConnell, but he, deser- we- but he deserves compassion, too. I don't know about all that. The Courier Post, the, the Courier Journal said that. Um, no, the Los Angeles Times said that, child bye. Um, You know, today's show said Mitch McConnell's medical scare renews questions over age limits. There needs to be age limits. Sorry, got to say it, and I'm not an ageist for saying it. But, you know, there's a lot of work we could be doing. There's a lot of things we could do as a community. There's a lot of things we could do as a collective. But one of the things that we have to do is be real about getting serious about these ages. Look what happened to the Supreme Court. Look what happened to Ruth Badger Ginsburg. Like, look at these people who have been there forever. Personally, I'm from the school that I think that the age limit should be 65. Okay? If ARP say you could get... Benefits after 65, I think that government should have a limit at 65. I think 65 is it. I think they have people around for 81, 90, all these years. You know, when I think about, you know, Diane, listen, have y'all seen her age? Diane, listen, listen, I, I got to keep a 100. Diane Feinstein is 90 years old. 90 years old, and she is the oldest sitting U.S. Senator and member of Congress. 90 years old. She has served as the senior United States Senator since 1992 in California. She's been a member of the Democratic Party, okay? When she was mayor of San Francisco in 1978. That's 45 years. What are we doing? What are we doing? 90. Okay. 90. She has had literally one, two, three. She's had three husbands. In her lifetime. She graduated from Stanford University in 1955. I think that it's irresponsible to have people who's dealing with aging and cognitive disorders and disabilities to be putting them through the stress and strain of political life there are so many issues impacting the country and we should not put anyone to that type of labor and stress they have nice pensions i wish them well i wish them peace and good health but it is time it is time and i know some y'all gonna say well what about biden listen Trump and Biden not that far from each other in age. In a perfect world, we have time limits. We need to have an age of 65. That's my stance. I'll compromise at 70, but I think 65 should be it. My opinion. Just putting it there. Now, a lot of you all, the backup real quick, Byron Donalds. Y'all want to know who Byron Donalds is earlier Byron Donalds was the first person to criticize he's a black congress member in Florida a huge trumper before Tim Scott had said something about the issue pertaining to dissent's policies on slavery Byron Donald stepped up and also spoke out against the Sanchez as well. Just want to note that for the record. It's been two black Republicans that are notable. Congressman Byron Donald and Senator Tim Scott. Just want to put that on the table. Now, about Krasner and these rumors. Y'all been asking about Krasner and these rumors. Y'all, I don't, you know, listen. I don't, I, listen. I don't like rumors that aren't like rooted in something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't like, I, I don't like dumb rumors. Rumors that just like, okay, it's one thing when you hear some stuff, but you're hearing from top experts, incredible sources. Let let me get into this. What happened? There was a bogus resignation rumor that started last week. You know, there was a news release that stoked speculation. And this is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer, other publications. But there was a news speculation, a news release that came out uh, across the state that implied that, you know, krasner was planning to resign and this is during the time in which we know that the gop lawmakers in harrisburg has tried to revive the case to impeach him they have applied for an appeal and and you know i guess the summer has been ripe for juicy rumors i've been hearing a lot of rumors lately but none that is worthy of me speaking into existence or speaking out loud but you know i guess it's because it's a summer and it's a slow fucking news season we get all these stupid rumors okay so first of all you know larry krasner's back in the news there was this bogus quote-unquote news release that was saying that he was leaving his role as da for a new job. All the week, everybody was talking, and, you know, people kept hoping it was true because there was supposed to be this big, huge press conference because it was trash. And so Krasner told the Inquirer this past week, you are stuck with me. I actually love my job. I like what I'm doing. Um, And, and, this, is a, and this is this person, someone that was supposed to be a name, a woman named... Abigail sinford fakor or whatever her name was they they were saying declare in this news release being passed around that krasner would become the executive director of the national lawyers Guild. and this rumor they said in the press release that is it was bullshit because if you look at LexisNexis nexus we do database searches on everything journalists do the Inquirer do anybody lexus is our database um we all use this database to find out facts and confirm details. But basically, they this person said in this fake press release that we look forward to raising the profile of the NLG under the leadership of Larry Krasner, this press release said. Well, that isn't true because NLGJ's president, Suzanne Outerly, had told um, the Inquirer, quote, the press release was not issued by the National Lawyers Guild or anybody formally Affiliated with the National Lawyers Guild, Larry Crass is not currently and is not expected to be the NLG, the NLG executive director or president, nor is he a member of NLG. Mm. It was a rumor. So all that whispering and I heard, I heard, somebody told me, it's not true, y'all. It's a rumor. And if this is the first time you've heard this, please let people know. Now, to be clear, um, I'm not crazy about Krasner, some of Krasner's business. I have voted for Krasner, and I'm not supporting Republicans by, by at all. But I always tell people, just because you don't like somebody, don't let confirmation bias put you in a position where you're spreading misinformation just to be relevant. We don't do that over here, period. So, I'm here to tell you it's not true. He's going to be there. Now, if he decides to do something else in 2025, that's different. But as of right now, we're here with Krasner and Krasner's here with us. And we stuck with him. And listen, I don't feel like I'm stuck with him. But, you know, hold him accountable, y'all. Look at the DAs that they're hiring. I don't know. Be smart. But, like, stop the rumors. It's not a rumor. It has no truth to it. And there's a lot of people out here in quote-unquote media claiming to entertain it. You know, Dom Giordano who is on 1210 um, WPHTAM talk show. I've come on this show in the past, but he's like apparently he was hyping it up on social media about this potential departure. And I know a lot of people don't like crashes. It was like why are we doing this to our credibility? None of this is true. You know, he said that, you know, he did allow for the possibility that the rumor could not be true. But, of course, he wanted to put the blame on Krasner. He said on his show, I can't tell. This could be faint by Krasner playing with everybody. But why would Krasner play with anybody? Why would Krasner even do this? Like, none of this has any roots or no truth in it. You know, Krasner has told people already that, you know, it's a decision that he he will not face until the end of the year. So at the end of this year, Krasner will decide whether or not he's going to run for re election or not. He said it's not a pressing matter at this time for him. Now, here's... Well, I ain't going to say answer the problem. Let me be quiet. I had a thought, but I'm going to say that for later. Don't want to put that out there until you know. I want to put an idea or a theory because, you know, I know how y'all listen to this show. And you start, you know, having thoughts. Not going to put that in the universe. Just going to see some stuff play out into next year's primary. But I will say that if he did not decide to run, I have somebody who she encouraged to run. But I'll leave that there. So... The 76ers place. The controversy between Chinatown and 76ers place has been officially one years old. And there's a great piece written by a good friend of mine, Philadelphia Magazine, Laura Schwartz, uh, whom my great pal, my bestie. She wrote a great piece for Philadelphia Magazine about it. It came out on Sunday. It's a long form and it's really in depth. And it talks about 76ers place one year later, about what's going on. And, And in a nutshell, what we find is that there's still no consensus on what's going to happen. We really still don't know. They have not figured it out. Chinatown, 76th place. There's just been no consensus on bringing people together in the community to figure out what's next. There's been a lot of questions, a lot of speculation, a lot of lobbying across the end politically, but we still don't know. We, we don't know where people, I mean, we know where some people stand, but you know, with a new city council coming in, we don't know how those votes are going to go. It's still up in the air. And I know that must piss David Alman off, but see, this is your fault, billionaire, because you come in here with this colonialist mindset of, I'm, i I know what the community wants. And there's been a very big old vast of darkness and the pandemic made everything so lonely. And I'm going to just put a brand new stadium and it's going to push people out and fuck over parking. You know, it's, it's, it's that type of thinking. That um, ruins everything, right? So we don't know how this is going to play out. Um, But I feel like the fact that there's so much fighting and ambiguity around it, I think that's grounds to kill it. But I do know that the likes of Cheryl Parker most likely is in favor of something like this. So that might sway a little bit, but I'm not convinced 100%. So in other news, Twitter... Is now going by X. That's right. It's just X. X. And the... It's not a retweet anymore, y'all. It's a repost. I'm not playing these games with Twitter. I'm not playing these games with Elon Musk. I'm at a point where every week I expect him to pull a new stunt, something stupid, just to fuck with people. Just to try to get attention and relevance and raise you know gossip and spice and and interest but to be honest this ain't the way to do it elon this ain't the way to do it dog this ain't it i'm not a fan of this i don't like it i don't like it at all um you know i i really don't like this this new concept but he keeps you know he keeps throwing stuff there i'm still calling it twitter i'm not calling that shit a repost it's a fucking retweet this x shit gonna go away hopefully um, I just can't wait till the new CEO comes in place in the fall. I can't wait till they just turn everything back to normal. Like, this is just stupid. This is all stupid. It's just, it's pointless. And it's so annoying because, like, when I try to find Twitter on my 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 tabs, the new X thing is so ugly looking that I forget that I don't see a blue logo. It's it's fucking with me. It's, it's just ruining everything for everybody just for no reason. Like, he's so annoying. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm going to still call it Twitter because that's what the fuck it is. Next... So there's been this conversation. I don't really want to get into all of it, but everybody's been talking about aliens and UFOs. Are they real? Or are they not? There's been a press conference. An ex, you know, person who worked for a special intelligence is claiming that UFOs exist. Duh. Uh, everybody's all acting scared and freaking out. You know, what is that word by, what's it? R-E-M, it's the end of the world. And I'm, I, I just, I, who cares? I mean, what you know, listen, this is it's just too much. I mean, it's hot as fuck in this country, is in the world. Global warming is is, is losing it's, its it's 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 just doing what it's doing. Climate change. We knew this was real, we knew this was coming, we knew this was gonna happen. Um, you know, I I just you know, it's so funny to me because everybody's like, Oh, you know, UFOs are real and people are like believing UFOs are real. But but do y'all know that, you know? Climate change is real. Are we going to act on that? Because we can act on a lot of things. Do we know that racism exists? You know, we can act on that. Don't come here and about some UFOs exist to me when you can believe that because he has evidence. But there's evidence that climate change is this. And y'all don't read that shit. There's evidence that Megastani wasn't isn't lying and not lying, but, you know, you don't care about the evidence. It's, there's evidence that, you know, slavery exists, and the Holocaust exists, but, you know, no, you, you don't care about that. There's a lot of evidence out there for a lot of things. You know, there's evidence that, you know, an increase in LGBTQ rights does not lead children turning gay. But, you know, whatever. There is an increase in reality that, you know, two same-gender people getting married and loving each other does not have no material impact on your fucking cis-head marriage. No, no, none. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things that have evidence, but people choose to pick what evidence they want to read and what they don't want to read. So, there we have it. Now, I got to give a shout out to Viola Davis. There's been a lot of talk about the writer's strike. Here's an update. Or an actor's strike. Actors are on strike, okay, with SAG Afro. The Emmys will not be airing on September 18th. The primetime Emmys. The primetime Emmys. Not other Emmys that may be going on but the primetime Emmys will not be airing on the 75th annual primetime Emmy Awards will not be on September 18th we don't know when they're going to air but they will air because it's the 75th anniversary which makes the big goddamn deal um they cannot skip this year because it's the anniversary year so they have to do it I've been hearing from sources close to the situation that the Emmys want to have it in November, but network stations, according to Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, and these other publications have been talking about it, they want to have it in January. But I think the hard part is if you have it in January, you expect the Emmys to take place in September. And... If there's two Emmy Awards in one year, that might just confuse consideration and everything else. So that could get a little sticky. I, I don't know where I stand on it. But at the end of the day, it all determines if the writer strike and the in the, the actor strike is gonna get enough energy to get a deal by then. Because right now we don't know. So Viola Davis is in a film that got waivers, independent film that she's doing with Amazon. But in solidarity with the actors on strike, she refused to keep filming. So there has been some exemptions and waivers given to certain films and projects. If they're, if they're independent in a certain type of way, but some people would still consider that scabbing. So Sarah Sarah Silverman, who I don't listen to for anything, but she made a really good point where she's like saying, like all these like actors, these Hollywood actors who are in these indie type of films that want to still produce their films, they're taking these little waivers, you know, It's cowardly, she feels, because she's like, you need to be in solidarity. And at the end of the day, the whole point is to do a real strike to make these studios have to pay. Asking for waivers doesn't, it it, it weakens the overall thing. And Viola Davis gets this. And even though they got a waiver, she's not doing it. Shout out to Viola Davis. Thank you for taking a stand. Um, But let me tell you, some people out here like The Rock. You know, The Rock out here doing some big things, you know there's been there's been chatter that he is 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 dropping some big bank um to really push about it um you know you know it, it's it's some chatter that he might be putting some money down to really um stop some of this you know to really pay actors or keep production going on some of his movies that's what some people are saying um but it you know i, I haven't i mean I've heard whispers about this. Um, Because he is worth a lot of money. Um, He is worth a lot of money. Now, from what I'm hearing, it seems like he might be, um, but we don't know. But there's some speculation that he was going to pour in some money to really help some of the stuff going on. But, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, right now, I'm in solidarity with the strike. I think the strike you know, it was a wake up call because really it's laying the foundation for what's happening across the country. So when we see other, you know, major cities, uh, major industries outside of Hollywood stepping up to speak out against that type of stuff, it sends a message loud and clear, um, that this isn't it. So just putting it out there. Um, Ah, <sighs> celebrity divorces. You know, it's been a it's been a summer of celebrity divorces, I must say. Um we have seen, you know, um uh you know a lot of divorces. Um and it's it's been you know it's been hard, you know, some of these divorces. But the big one that shocked me, clutched in my pearls, didn't see it coming. Tina and Richard Lawson. Tina knows Beyonce's mother. And Richard Lawson, who is a soap, so, uh, soap opera actor, but he's also the the father of Bianca Lawson, the ageless, beautiful black actress who was in Queen Sugar. Okay, um, she was also in um, Save the Last Dance, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, she's a big deal, you know. She's in a lot of shows. She was in Saved by the Bell. The new class, good behavior, prelude liars. She was in rouge. Um, she's from the Gordy family. Okay, let let's let's talk about it. Denise Gordy. Denise Gordy and Richard Lawson were married. Um, she has a brother named Ricky Lawson, who's a songwriter. Um, you know what's funny is that you know he is the stepsister. So Richard Landon Lawson is basically his stepsister. Beyonce's stepsister is Bianca Lawson. And Ricky Lawson was the stepsister. He is best known for co-writing on Beyonce's um, songs, Heated and Summer Renaissance. He is the stepsister Beyonce for that album, Renaissance, right? And he also done uh, projects for her Parkwood Entertainment, such as working on the visuals for Chloe Haley's um, Ungolly Hour visual. Did y'all know that? The more you learn. So here's some of the projects he's worked on, Ricky Lawson, okay, which is the son of Richard Lawson, which is the the brother of Bianca Lawson from the Gordy family, okay, because their their mother is a Gordy, and if you don't know what I mean by Gordy, okay, let me back up a little bit for those who don't know who Gordy is. Gordy is Barry Gordy, as in Motown founder Barry Gordy, Uh, Denise is a niece the, the mother, Denise uh, Georgette Gordy, is the niece of Motown founder Barry Gordy. You see how ancestral the music industry is? But <laughs> but but the back up. let me say these other projects Ricky was on. So he worked on Bigger, uh, co-wrote that song for The Lion King, The Gift, Heated and Summer Renaissance, which I love Heated. Heated is my shit off renaissance. Summer Renaissance is cool too, but he did. Woo, that's my shit. So he also worked on Ungali Hour as a project management AR credits for Chloe Haley on Ungali Hour. He also worked alongside Beyonce on The Lion King, The Gift, Black is King, Savage Remix, Renaissance, Renaissance World Tour. Ricky Lawson is in the family and also connected to the Grammy nomination for album of the year for Renaissance. So look, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky is... Ricky, Ricky Lawson is doing his thing. But let's get to Bianca Lawson. You know, you know her. She's gorgeous. She's fabulous. She's on this incredible show. Um, you know, she kills it. Her character um, in in that film is Darla. She was Darla Borlong, who was, of course, with Ralph Angel. She was his lovely, lovely wife. She was in Teen Wolf, Vampire Diaries, The Secret Life of American Teenagers. Let me tell you about America, Bianca Lawson. She's 44 years old, but she's been playing teenagers her entire career, which is no shade. Get the money, baby, and black don't crack. But she is a fascinating person. But the father. Let's get to the tea about Richard Lawson and Tina. I don't have no idea why they divorced. We don't know. They just filed for divorce. Uh, you know, and the streets have been talking, and there's been signs apparently that they had problems. Now, because I love research, I'm going to play you all a couple of interesting clips that may have shown that the writings are on the wall. Tune in here. Let me play it. Mm -hmm. type of man I wanted I prayed for the type of man I wanted and I got pretty much that is he perfect absolutely not but you know he has a lot of the qualities no he has a lot of the qualities that uh, that I love and we're having a really good time and I'm enjoying life so there is hope women ladies type of man I the rise was on the wall you know she had to let them know he's not perfect and he looked like no now, did you hear him in the background saying no? He said no. The right, the, the streets was walking. They were talking about this, Richard Lawson. You know why was there problems? Did we know there was problems? What was going on? Why was that? Why was she saying this about him? Why was she calling him out? It was interesting to see that clip, but you know, was it that big of a deal? No, because none of these people are perfect. Nobody's partners is perfect. I don't know why people have to say if the person's perfect or not. If if they're good for you, they're good for you, baby. You don't have to do all that extra. But Miss Miss Tina has said some things. Now, let me get into the mess that's been going on and see that's been going on since the situation. You know, one of the issues that happened is that apparently he has now deactivated his Twitter, Richard Lawson, because there had been some people who have looked and scrolled down and saw him liking a lot of inappropriate, highly sexual... Um, posts, um, from other women, you know, whether it was adult entertainment and listen, there's no judgment, you know, you don't know what kind of relationship they had. Maybe it was something that was sexual. Maybe it was not. Um, you know, we don't know what was causing a lot of the, the things that we were seeing and, you know, what, what was going on. Maybe it had a, you know, I don't want to say that open relationship. I don't know, but it was very, uh, the posts in question were very, um, Suggestive that he was liking and, uh, you know, who knows? You know, did that play a factor? We don't know. Also, you know, earlier, about a month ago, a couple of weeks back, there was an interesting, disturbing robbery at the Knowles residence where they said Tina's Knowles, um, her uh, safe, her, her, her safe where she keeps some valuable things over a million dollars worth of items in her safe she's they said it got taken out and robbed from her house and of course when a safe is taken out and robbed from one's residence and it appears to be done in a way that doesn't seem to be a massive burglary it looks like an inside job and one has to then question well who was in that house who had access to that kind of like beyonce's mother's house got robbed that's just really weird. Now I'm not saying that is correlated to her breakup with Richard Lawson, but it just seems like you know our 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 one of our favorite you know Hollywood mothers have had it hard in the last couple of weeks. So you know you have this safe stolen a couple of weeks back, you're in a divorce, and then we find out that the man that you're with was liking a lot of interesting hypersexual types of pornographic imagery on on his Twitter account in a way that is public th- that is that is saying a lot so you know i'm not judging or saying people should think a certain way or whatever but i must say it is quite an interesting situation To be in when you have That many people You know Together So Not judging Just Observing And looking at things And noticing some things (laughs) You know I use common sense over here I wasn't born yesterday but I will tell people that, you know, when you're out here in these streets and you're in this world, you know, it, it might be of the essence to start thinking about what are you looking at and um, what you what you following. So I have been looking at this page and it was some very uh, interesting footage and they was looking at what he was liking. And I said, oh. Very interesting. You know. Um, mm. and, and the interesting thing too is, is Matthew knows was a mess too. You know, Richard, you know, you know, Richard was was one thing. Matthew knows was another thing. I'm not saying she should go back with Matthew because Matthew clearly has a lot of problems. Um, but I will say that it it, it is very telling what. You know, what be going on, what people, what drives people to do the things they do and why. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about this. I had a really, 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 really great um, Ask Ernest. And I really want to take the time to read it. I got it hot, hot, hot. Like before I started uh, getting into um you're know, doing this podcast uh, to make sure that you all get in timely fashion. I was very surprised to get this message um, from a listener um, who's who's a big listener. And he asked me some questions. They had this. And I want to make sure I pull it up to read it, because when I saw it, I was like, oh, OK, interesting. This is interesting. Reach. Um, but I want to read it for you all, because I think this is important. OK. Hi, Mr. Omens. Hope all is well. I had a question for the podcast. Me and a friend slash situationship that's been going on for a year and some months are going to Renaissance next week. Two weeks ago, we went on a quick weekend trip to the beach. It was his idea to get a room. It was a really good weekend. So when we got back home, I asked him what were we doing and if he could see a future with me. In the moment, he said yes but could we take it slow? And I said, I could. Five days later, I get a text in the middle of the night saying that he just wanted to be friends and that he didn't want to lead me on. At this point, I'm kind of confused and hurt. I haven't seen him or talked to him since that conversation other than small talk, but it is what it is. My question is, would I be an asshole for not wanting to go with him to see Beyonce? I'm his only way there. Ooh, ooh. This is woof woof I won't say your name, and you're very adorable, by the way. Nice photos and you deserve. Um this is tight. This is very, very tight. Oh my goodness, so tight! I definitely took some time to reflect on your question. I do appreciate your 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 candidness and everything. It's a very good question, um, and I appreciate it. And I won't name you, of course, because you know we keep it you know anonymous over here on Ask Ernest. But this is a very very good question. Okay, so the pettiness in me would be like, child, fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him and do you and do you and and he got to go find his own way. So that's, that's, that's the question I would have. Um, but, but this is what I will say. Okay. It was his idea to get the room. I don't want to be nerd, nosy, ask that y'all have sex because that does complicate things. Cause if y'all did do it, you know, um, (laughs) I can see your frustrations. It wasn't your idea. You said y'all want a weekend trip. It was his idea to get a room. It was a really good weekend. So when you got back home, <laughs> you asked him what y'all was doing. And could you see a future? So clearly you must have had sex or did something sexual. I'm just going to assume. I could be wrong. Or you did something intimate, clearly. The vibe was there. And he did tell you that he did see a future. Then all of a sudden it, it retreated back. So let me tell you how I feel about this. Could y'all go to the concert together or whatever. And y'all, y'all playing this. And clearly you're the only way for him to go. So here's what I'm going to say. There's two sides of me. There's the bad side and there's the good side. The bad side of me was saying the evil evil twin side of me, like, fuck him, do you? That's not your problem. He wasted your time, bitch. Blah, 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 blah. But because I I see this a little differently and it took me some time to process this, I'm going to go with my other side. And this is what I think you should do based on what you've told me. So let me back this all the way up. It seems like based on what you said, y'all had a friendship y'all were first friends y'all were cool y'all been friend y'all had a friendship going on for a year and some months you know, you all have had a really good situation and it was never any emotions or anything sexual. You might have had a crush on him and maybe, you know, he didn't know that or whatever. But y'all was friends and y'all had a cool connection and something happened, right? One weekend and you you, you got your hopes up and your feelings up. But let me say this to you. Y'all have been friends for a long time, you know, for about a year. Y'all have been cool. It's been a cool situation. And honestly, you, you know, you've been doing you, he's been doing him. It is what it is. Y'all had a weekend where something went down, okay? And at the end of the day, you know, you asked and he said he could take it slow. You accepted that, right? You you could have said, nah, I, want, I, I don't know if that's good enough for me, but you said okay, right? And then he turned around and thought about it a little bit more and said, you know, he just kind of want to be friends. We don't know why he just want to be friends. Maybe you was getting a little too, maybe even though he said, we said you got a little bit, you, you know, you was falling in love a little strong and you have a right to, I'm not denying that I've been there. Maybe it just felt all too once. Maybe he just was scared that maybe doing this was going to ruin the friendship and maybe ruin everything. And he really wants a friend. Maybe he's not in the place to. Let me tell you something about dodging bullets. Because a lot of times we can't dodge bullets. Sometimes stuff is so much in our face. We so naive. We wait later. If he's telling you for whatever reason that he just want to be friends, don't deny that. Listen, I've learned in life. Don't force nothing. If he is telling you that, that means he's looking at himself and knowing something about himself that maybe you don't know. Or maybe there's a situation that you don't need to be the middle, caught in the middle of and maybe he cares about you so much that he don't want to put you through whatever other shit he got going on. Because remember, before y'all did that weekend trip, he might have a situation. Maybe you know about, maybe he don't. But maybe he had a whole world that got weird. And then in a moment of his feelings and emotions, he made promises or, or said things that at the time felt good. But then when he was honest with himself and maybe considering you, he might have said to himself, you know what? It was a fun moment. I got caught up. We was having a moment. And, and now I'm in a situation where maybe, I, I, I mean, to get in a relationship. You know, when you get with somebody and you get in a relationship with them or you start really getting serious, the person that you're friends with might be a great friend, but they're not a good lover. And so maybe y'all are good friends, but maybe he's not meant to be a lover in that way. Maybe you you might want that because what you like in him as a friend is going to be different as a lover. There's people that in my past that I looked at and I was friends with them. And I was like, oh, this person would be good if I dated them. I'm like, no, you as a date, you are trash. There's dudes I knew years ago where I would just be like, as a friend, you're an incredible friend, but you're a horrible husband. You're a horrible boyfriend. You were horrible to people. you great for me, but you're going to be bad for them. And sometimes you got to look at that and know the difference. And so what you're seeing in this person is you want to date your friend. Not everybody can date somebody that they're friends with in a way that it feels like that. You know what I'm saying? And if y'all really establish a friendship with boundaries and one night cross that boundary, I would say if you're in a position. To let go of the situation because of that confusion, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't say I want. don't want you to torture yourself. But I think that it shouldn't be so quick to cut everything off and end everything at that because then it makes it seem like you was capped the whole time, you was fraud the whole time, you was only with that person to get to an end to so means. And I don't like people like that because I didn't see people get girl be friends with girls oh this used to happen to my friends for years where they be nice to the the dude be nice to the girl and say he a friend and then he get a little tipsy a little comfortable and then finally he want to make a move and she in the moment and she bored and she mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. be bored in the moment do some dumb shit, and wake up and be like you know what i should never did that because you was bored and you was hungry horny and you was making some dumb decisions that happens what I'm asking and I'm putting on to you to consider is, is this a situation where you feel like whatever that feeling that hurt that you feel that this should just kill everything? Fuck him for life. I feel like y'all been friends for too long for you. Throw it in the garbage. I really think what you should do is use the renaissance situation as an opportunity to follow up and have that conversation. So I have, a thir- I have a theory about this and it might be a little nasty, but I have a thought. So part of me feels like, in some sense, y'all going to go to the, the renaissance thing. You're going to have fun again. He needs a friend right now. You want him as your friend. Don't act like you don't like him as a person outside of this situation. But, like, maybe it's a situation where, where y'all go as friends and you there. And clearly he wants to still be friends with you. Clearly he still likes you. Respect the consent and the boundaries. Maybe, you know, Or should that be a punishment? Didn't regret it all. So, so that'd be the thing. I don't know. I, I I think, you know, but here's my plan. Go to renaissance with him. Be a good friend. Exhibit good behavior. You don't know what he's going through. You don't know what could be happening. Get to the bottom of the situation. No pun intended. But get to the bottom of the situation. Come out on top. Um. <laughs> but, but, but go to the concert. Have a good time. Live your life. Have it with your friend. You don't want to go by yourself. You don't want to do that like that. And you don't want to be. Because in the back of your mind, if you don't bring him. You being mean, you know that he's going it's going to be on your mind the whole time at the concert. So go with him because that was the plan. Have a good time. And then after the show, don't go to a private room with him. Don't get a room with him because clearly, clearly is giving it, 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 It's giving. Don't do that. Or if you do. <laughs> I'll talk about my other theory, but anyway, go to just hang out with him, have the conversations of friends say, Hey man, just want you to know, you know, you know, I just want to know more about, you know, your thoughts and your feelings. Don't do it before the show. Don't kill your vibe. Hey, he might bring it up to you. He going to bring it up to you. He's probably going to be surprised that you are so gracious, graceful as you are, but figure out the answer. This is opportunity to get some conclusion. Don't let it be an empty note because then you're going to regret everything. And then two months later, you're going to call him horny and do it again and be in this love affair situation, ship, situation. Get the answers you need at that concert, not before the concert, after the concert and figure out from that information. If it's valid enough for you to stick with him and be cool with him or if you're ready to drop him like a bad habit. But don't let this just. Collapse. That's too much time invested. And I I mean, you know, and also it sets a bad precedence, right? We tell people, be honest with me, be straightforward. He's not wasting your time. He's telling you this early. So you shouldn't get too invested because it's like it's still fresh. So the wound is not that long where it can create an infection. Get this, get this, get this addressed. Let it, let it, let it do what it's going to do and have the conversation, I think, after. Now, if he brings it up, he brings it up. Then he can say what he's going to say. But honestly, it's obvious he doesn't want you out of his life, and I don't really think you're 100% want him out your life, and I don't feel like it should be because of one, one interesting night, you know? So you could DM me privately. I am very much so invested in this. Um, I'm very much so invested in this. So please um, hit me up privately and tell me what happens. But I have another theory. I have a theory, and again, I don't want to get your hopes up, so don't get your hopes up on this theory. But I wonder if it's a situation where he just getting some cold feet, y'all go to the concert, you know, you talk to him, and then y'all figure out that whatever it is, maybe a misunderstanding, y'all work it out, and then you have another night with him, and maybe y'all get some re- resolutions. Because this is, this is a throwback for me. I've had an interesting situation where people be assuming things about you that they don't know, and then y'all start finding out some things, and you know, things work itself out. Mm, Might be a little too close for home, but I'm just saying sometimes people can assume things and then you find out something, y'all talk it out and you realize, oh, oh, okay. You never know. But in in any case, I think you should just figure this out more. And I don't think you should, you know, do a 180 because I don't want you to hurt your reputation and who you are as a person behind this situation. You know, Beyonce brings people together. Maybe you know, maybe take a Beyoncé concert for y'all all be together for there to be some resolution. Well, let's figure it out. Um, as far as movies go, um, I haven't really done too many movies. I, my life has been a movie, to be honest. No shade. Um, so I haven't really watched too many movies this upcoming week. I heard about The Haunted Mansion from Disney. I don't know why they're putting this scary-ass, spooky movie out in the summer. Like, this should come out in, like, October, like, Halloween season. Like, I don't know why they dropped this now. It just is bad timing, bad marketing. I just feel like they just had to get rid of the film or just push it somewhere. They're like really setting this movie up to not be a big at the box office. It's just kind of like they threw it in there. Um, you know, Disney's been having an interesting time. I mean, they didn't do too well at the weekend box office. Um, you know, I've been following, you know, weekend box office has been going on. I mean, it's interesting. Barbie is still on the top of the charts. Barbie made another $93 million this fucking weekend it is now 350 million dollars it almost had two like last week let's just go back a little bit last week it made 162 million dollars and then oppenheimer made 82 million dollars last weekend okay the barbie oppenheimer Barbie-Imer situation is still slaying at the box office. Last week, it made at the, its debut was one sixty two one $162 million. $82 million for Oppenheimer. This week, they back again. Oppenheimer, this time, made $46 million, which is still not bad. And Barbie made $93 million a second fucking week. Like, what? They're saving the box office. Who would have thought a female-led film would save the box office? So... Hunted Mansion came in at $24 million as its opening gross. That is not good, Walt Disney Studios. Not for a film with that much budget and money. Um, not really good. This stupid movie, Sound of Freedom. Don't tell me about Sound of Freedom. I don't care. Um, Sound of Freedom made $12 million, dismal. But it's it's making some, some crazy money. It's been keeping the box office afloat for a while. People really do like Sound of Freedom. Sound of fle- Freedom... Um, has been considered it debuted at number three on the on the um, box office Mojo charts. Um, you know, Mission Impossible has been doing its thing. Um, it came in at fifty four million dollars for Tom Cruise a couple weeks ago, but it's been staying at the box office doing its thing for a little bit. You know, it's it's now it debuted, yeah, number one, and then it was at number four this week. It's at number five. It's just floating around the charts. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting you know year. A lot of horror movies coming out. It's just a weird box office season in general. Um music. I've been following this song Jealousy by Offset and, and Carly and Carly uh and Cardi B, I mean. Cardi B is out here doing her thing. Um, you know, I, I've really been, you know, I I I I I and everybody wants a new album. You know, good, you know, Joe, Amanda's fiance, my my you know, my interesting future Stan. Um, co-stan, I would say, because I stand for future too. Judge, judge your cat, don't judge me. Uh, but what I will say is that he says, he has a theory that Cardi's not dropping an album. He doesn't think Cardi's ever going to drop another album. He thinks all she's going to keep doing is just doing these singles and these features that, for whatever reason, she just can't do a song, album. That's his theory. I'm not going to argue with him on his theory, but theories can always be unproven. I don't know. So far, it looks like he's right. I just need the album, Cardi. Give me the album. Give me the manuscript. So, I'm having a moment here, but let me rock. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about this quickly. There's been some controversy with Ice Spice. No, not because she's hanging out with Nicki Minaj, but because she just dropped a music video to a song called Deli. And there's a 16-year-old girl twerking. So much that Twitter, or X, had to drop a disclaimer letting people know that there's an underage girl in this video being sexualized. And certain states will not permit that. You know, my thoughts about this is, why? Why? She's 16 years old. Why is she twerking in music video? Where are her parents? I'm not a fan of it. Call me approved. But no, no, no. Because my whole thing is, so we're making this girl famous. She has an Instagram. She technically shouldn't have one because you must be 18 or to have these social media apps. But anyway, she's going to have an Instagram or social media account. What are we doing? What are we selling? This girl should be in school, finishing high school, okay? She should be finishing high school, getting her degree, her bachelor's. No, she's not in college. Mm. She should be getting her uh, diploma, right? Finishing school. I'm not saying kids can't dance, but my thing is, if kids are dancing by themselves and having fun amongst themselves but for consumption for mass consumption so you you know listen we all grew up you know when I was young I was going to my little basement parties I was dancing having a good time but I was having fun with minors minors my age and we weren't on music videos with grown-ass adults sexualizing us and putting us on there I'm not a fan of it I think it's problematic and also she's on a set twerking in front of other grown men and I'm not saying that I'm blaming her and slut-shaming the girl. I'm talking about these adults who thought it was okay to have her in that setting. And I don't care if Ice Spice is a young, poppin' artist, whatever. Ice Spice is a grown woman. Get you some 20-year-olds. Get you some 19-year-olds. Get you some grown-ass adults to be in the video with you. Don't put minors in a situation where they're out there for that kind of consumption. Because when, you know, this is how how shit get real, right? A grown-ass man want to put on an Ice Spice video and say, oh, these girls are hot. He does not expect those girls to be minors. So you're creating a culture where young people are sexualized and put in harm's way. Not cool, not for it. And I don't want to hear none of your little arguments about it. It's just trash. She's a minor. She's underage. I spice, no spice. Okay? Not cute. Um, As far as TV goes, you know, Bad Boys Texas has now left the building. There's no more Bad Boys Texas right now. We don't know when there's going to be another Bad Boys series. But I must say I've really been in love with Love. In hip-hop. I keep saying this every week, but this season has been consistently good. I'm really following some of the storylines. But I must say, this girl, um, something Erica Banks, not so quite. She's a little annoying for me. Now, Erica Banks is the girl who had that popular song called Busted, you know, the little beat, you know, it's it's a little gem. She's got a couple of little songs. She's a female rapper. She's not that big, but she's gotten notorious to get on social media talking about other stars that are bigger than her and trying to size herself up to these other girls. Not smart at all. But she has been, you know, on this show. And I'm just trying to figure out what's her purpose. You know, you watch a reality show and you like it and you're like, OK, this is cool. But then you start getting into the actors or the people, not actors, but well, they'd be actors sometimes. But you're just kind of like, why are they here? What's their purpose? What are they bringing to the show? I, I just don't get it. She's that person for me. Like, I just don't get what she's bringing to this show. But, you know, I guess. Right. But Jocelyn's Cabaret. Jocelyn's Cabaret is live, is on, is popping um, I love it. I I can't hold you. I, I know that she's problematic, but we all have a problematic fave that we'll deal with. <sighs> Jocelyn's Cabaret has been a transformational show. Like they're now in New York. She is singing. She just performed a song and she said it's the first time she did a performance without having any drugs or substances. She's working on her sobriety. I don't know how effective it's been since you know we saw that epic you know brawl she had last month but i will say there is something to be said for the fact that she's consistently putting out this music she's embracing you know she's have you know the show was just it's just it's just a good show i know i know i know it's a good show I, I know people feel like you know i should elevate my taste but you know to each their own sometimes it's good to watch a show like this because it can just take you out of your element you know um I have been watching Crazy in Love, but I don't want to promote the show because I'm not, I I have some concerns about the show and I'm not, I, I, yeah, there's just too, it's just too much going on on that show. Not enough for me to feel completely, um, you know, convinced with what's going on, but it's a lot of stuff that's been happening and I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, no, no. So yeah. I'm I'm not promoting this show that's by, you know, uh cra- it's it's called what is the name of the show? It's called Crazy in Love and it's with um Blueface and um what's her name? It, it's I, that's why I shouldn't be watching it. But Blueface is um on the show, the rapper who had the show, Tatiana, and Christian Blue, who's his girlfriend who has a song that's more fly than his and it's hurting his insecurities you know the song it's a vibe you know it's a vibe all the time great song but no no, no, long story short you know i you know i'm i'm just observing it so this upcoming week it's a week of food i'm going out and trying some new spots and having some fun with food this week this upcoming week um but of course, I have to address the elephant in the room, not really elephant at this point. But here's some things I want you to know, because this is all going to go down before the next episode of Earnestly Speaking. So I definitely want to talk to you all about it and, you know, and let you all know what's going on in the streets. So as you all know, this week is the NABJ convention. This is my first NABJ convention in nearly a how many years, seven years? I've gone consecutively. This is the first convention. That I'm not going to, because as you all know, that earlier this year I was banned. If you want to know more about the details about that particular situation from NABJ, please listen to the special episode, special edition of Emergency Speaking, uh, season four um my unprecedented ousting from ABJ that episode go back and listen to it in its totality It's less than an hour long and I talk all about that and all about that episode alone about the tea with it so I, I have nothing to do with um I mean I'm not going to tell all that story but I want to bring it on to perspective why this, what, I'm, what I'm about to bring up now so this week the NABJ convention is taking place in Birmingham Alabama um it's going to be some interesting journalists from across the country it's going to be there um NABJ right now, the National Association of Black Journalists, is in controversy. There's a lot of headlines going about this convention. For starters, about two weeks ago, it came out that the National Hispanic Association of uh, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, NABJ, right, normally have joint conventions. Last year, they had one in Vegas. Before that, they had it in D.C. 2024 was supposed to be the year to do a joint convention. Well, the two have split right before the year. And there is speculation that there, that split wasn't friendly. Um, NABJ is going to do Chicago solo, which could have a financial impact on them. And NAHJ, um, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, they're going to be having theirs in Los Angeles, California, in Hollywood next year. So you can guess which one I'm probably gonna be going to. Anyway, they're gonna be having their convention separately. Um, this is coming on the eve of next year, NAHJ is turning 40 years old. So they're going to turn this and spin it into a 40th anniversary celebration. NABJ is trying to spin it into a kickoff to their 50th anniversary. Now, you know, I'm the president of the Philadelphia Association, which is America's first black journalism association. And that's a fact. Um, we were founded before NABJ and we were founded in, we were, we got together in 1973 but we were established officially in 1974. So next year will be our official 50th anniversary. So we're gonna have a big old bash. Um, All of that being said, um, there are a lot of candidates going up for election. So there is this year, we're gonna have a brand new president that's gonna start. Uh, Travel Anderson uses they, them pronouns. They identify as non-binary and transgender. They are running against, and they're millennial in their early 30s. I've worked with them at the, uh, the NABJ LGBTQ Task Force. We were co-chairs together. They're going against Ken Lemon, who is a longtime veteran journalist, who's currently the vice president of broadcast for NABJ. Travel is the Region 4 director, which encompasses Vegas, Arizona, LA, California, all that. They encompass... Um, their leadership encompasses that. So they're both on the NABJ board. Ken is on the executive board. Well, they're running right now and the race is very heated. A lot of a lot of contention on both sides. People are very much paying attention to this election. You know, personally, if I could vote, I would vote for Travail in a heartbeat. Um, I think they're just ready for the job. I think that they're going to move the organization forward. I think they have progressive views. I think they have views that will support people that look like me and the future of journalism overall. They see this as an industry that needs change and reform. I personally believe that Ken is somebody who is just plain on missionary with it. He is a traditionalist. He is somebody who is just going to be focused on, you know, keeping things the way they are. He doesn't really see the problems. He doesn't even talk about problems. He doesn't even say this is a problem. He just kind of just go with the flow. He's just, he he's just nilly willy. It's just going to be the same old, same old with him. One of the things that have been brought up is where do I stand on the amendments? My stance on the amendments is that a lot of them, I find them to be very problematic and um, undemocratic. But there's one particular amendment that I want to bring up today that I think we should all be just keeping prayer and hoping that doesn't get passed. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier, a couple of weeks ago, but I want to bring it up now um, in retrospect or current. current. Um, there is an amendment right now being proposed by the NABJ elected elected leadership to the membership. And this proposal is requires a two third vote by all um NABJ voters who are voting this is an amendment it's kind of like when you go to city council and you vote for the, the elected officials and then there's ballot questions this is like a ballot question so one of the, the amendments is basically asking that in future situations and meaning after the date to which this is enforced that moving forward any NABJ member who is up to be banned by the organization. Um, must be given the opportunity to file for the right to appeal and also to file to speak before the NABJ board directors to state their claim or make their case. That's part of it. And then the second part is, is that once all measures have been executed or done and dealt with, that any decision made from the board at that point is final and that's it. No other boards past, present, future, whatnot, can reverse the decision that's made by the current board in place once they make an agreement on what the decision is. So if they decide to ban somebody, no other, the board after them cannot make the decision to reverse that decision. So that's the amendment. Let me tell you, this amendment was inspired by my ousting because I was the first member in NABJ history to be banned. Um, there is no documented history of NABJ banning anybody else. And this might shock some of you because in this organization, there have been people who sexually harassed people, have stolen from chapters and people. There's been people who have, um, you know, have been verbally abusive, hostile. There's been physical violence and fights. There's been all kind of issues um, that have happened in this organization, has been known about. And. I did none of that. I never stole from anybody. I never sexually harassed anybody. I never um, abused or verbally abused. I never stole anything. I never done anything of that magnitude um, while I was a, a member of NABJ. All I did was speak out. And some people might have felt that what I said was mean or whatever, but I was criticizing an organization, but I was also in many ways a whistleblower. And so my ousting, in my opinion, was viewed as something that was retaliatory for what I did. This was an act of retaliation. And this sets a bad precedence, right? But here's the thing: as of right now, there's no rule in place. First of all, I was denied the right to appeal. Let me just get out the way. I was told I was not allowed to appeal. I wasn't allowed to reach out to the board and get a conversation in my process. So they made these decisions, you know, off the rift. There was nothing in the policy that spoke to these things. And none of those things were official. They did all this on ad hoc and as they go. And the policy was disgusting and problematic. So what I want to get to, when I want to speak to about some of this situation, um, you know, what I really want to, you know, wrestle with and get to is that for all of the work and all of the things I've experienced and the things that I've saw, you know, it is, it has been very um, disappointing What they try to do with this amendment is they're trying to basically retroactively uh, address their ills. Currently, right now, as we speak, NABJ does not have a formal due process. I was denied a due process when I was battling them over my membership status. Um, There was no due process. And now they're trying to retroactively apply a due process that will benefit future members who might be in this situation, but does not benefit me. And they're also trying to in the process of doing this, conceal and lock the decision that was happening to me in the process. So two things are happening at once. One is that I feel like like basically with this policy is that they're acknowledging Ernest didn't get a due process. And so we need to make sure future members don't have that problem. But at the same time, we don't want Ernest to try to come back and try to argue or debate or, or put up an issue In the event that this happens, so we need to make sure that we're doing two things anytime, making sure they lock me out for good, right, for five years, technically I'm banned, and then also allow other people to have a due process so they can fight for their rights. That's fucked up. I've traveled across the country and I've spoken to different leaders and different people uh, that's affiliated with NABJ, and I've been told from many of them that they are doing everything in their power to discourage this vote and to kill it. I'm 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 Kashi's optimistic that two thirds of the membership will not vote for this, but you just never know, right? But I'm saying that we are all on the edge of our seat awaiting this decision, like a Supreme Court decision. We'll find out like Friday evening, and we'll find out what the results are and what will happen. But if it, but if they do, if the decision fails, if this this will be a landmark like big deal, then that means that one, I have a second shot to make the case and. My team and other people will be looking at, you know, what are allowed to me, because at this point, NABJ will have acknowledged that they did not do a due process, which means it opens up the door for them to revisit what they did to me. Now, who's the thing I could apply to appeal, make my case, do stuff, but I'll have a new board. There'll be new leadership at the board. There'll be more people that are able to push against this. And there could be some new persuasion to really change the out the offset of this. So we'll see what's going to happen. But it would be great to see the membership take a loud stance and reverse this decision. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a very interesting week overall. I got so much stuff I'm looking forward to and, you know, as always be well and be best. Earnestly speaking is recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and can be found on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts to stay up to date with the latest on the show. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mr. Ernest Owens. Use the hashtag speaking to tell me what you thought about this episode and check out my website at ernestowens.com.